Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm going to be your host again today, and I'm joined here with Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller, say hello to everybody. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to be here. <laughs> uh, you. You should know Charlie because he's been on some of our roundtables, and he's also uh, he's also the campus pastor at the Avon Lake campus. So, uh, if you have any shout outs to make, uh, we'll maybe save some time at the end for those. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it'll, it'll keep people listening. You know, the whole the whole That's time. Right. <laughs> um, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple <clears throat> reasons. Uh, number one, because I just genuinely enjoy talking with you. Uh, but number two, cause I did a little bit of research since Sunday and I have like a, a little fact check for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the Murphs, it has to do with the Murphs, which okay, the Murph, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, online, it doesn't say that you have to wear a 20 pound weight vest. Uh, where, where, where are you reading this? I, so joy, my wife, joy read it and, and told me, cause I told her, I didn't think that I could do one if my life depended on it like given any amount of time in the shape that i'm currently in and she looked it up to try to bolster my self-confidence mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and she said oh the weight the weight vest is extra like he's not he's adding that on uh <laughs> so the uh the actual way to do the full uh workout is you wear a weight vest and you do 100 200 300 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 squats uh straight like 100 really straight. yeah you do 100 un, it's called unpartitioned so you do 100 200 300 of those workouts and then run so do so, you either run the mile before and after yep, or just okay yep, one before one after how most people break it up even in the crossfit games how they break it up is you wear the weight vest and then you do five pull-ups 10 push-ups 15 squats and you do 20 rounds of those so that gives Man. your muscles a little bit of time to, to like recoup. Yeah. So you do 5, 10, 15, 5, 10, 15, do that 20 times. And then you run another mile. The first year I did the Murph, I did not use a vest. So like you can, you can do your own version of the Murph. So like a lot of guys that do it, they don't wear a vest. Okay. But if, but if you want to go technical, like CrossFit games and stuff, plus I, I'm, I'm going to call BS on that one too. Cause I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you where it says vest. Where it I, says the weight vest. I looked on the website on the CrossFit website. And it said it said vest. Really? So, okay. Well, that's good. That's I'm it, calling fake news. I do, regardless of whether or not it was it's necessary Are you for the do workout it with me this year. Is that what you're getting at? Well, that's a good question. I had somebody approach me and they they wanted to do it with me. So I would love to try. Actually, um, it's what is how many days away is that? Is that a month away from? It's right about now? a month away now. I. Yeah. Okay, and I I actually do think I could complete it given an infinite amount of time. Oh, I'm telling just, you, the, guys that never have never done it before, they'll show up and do the Murph. Like they don't work out, man. and they'll show up and do it, and it just takes a while, but you you get it done. And that's part of it is that you learn how to grind. It's just a grind. The thing is, is so the pull ups are what scares me. I think I could do everything else, but a hundred so, pull ups in one like one sitting. Yeah. So some guys like you can do it with like assisted pull-ups. So like some guys will, okay. uh, they'll get like a band, a band or like, like the, have somebody hold your legs. Yeah. What I did the, the first year, um, my first, I had a band up on the bar. And so my first year I competed, 
probably the last four or five sets. Sure. I, I was band assisted, which just helps a little bit get over the bar. Um, but the goal <laughs> is to do it without, without that, obviously. Yeah. So like the first year I did it, no weight vest band assisted. The second year I did it weight vest, no band assisted. So Man. My, my threshold grew, That's but I, I have not been working out as much as I want to be right now Yeah, since the move moving here and stuff. So, um, I don't know that my time will be that great. This could be the time that you could beat me this year. So, so what? What do you? What? What is a good time to do a Murph? And you, I'm sure it's like a lot of it's like cross country, where it's relative to your personal advancement. Yeah. So, so but, I would say that like if if you're a really great athlete who's been training for the Murph, if you get it in the mid 30 minutes, like 35 minutes. 37 minutes like that's like a so picture like a nine minute mile with a weight vest nine minute mile on either side that's 18 minutes and then if you do 20 minutes worth of work like your 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 reps you do about 20 minutes you know you're looking about 38 minutes or so which is like so like 35 is a really great time 30 is like killer i mean that's awesome i think my best time i ever did was 39 i think uh when I competed. So that was like when we would practice and I would mm-hmm. like, we were, I was tip top shape. The, the race day, the last time I timed myself, I got like 40 or 41, I think minutes. Yeah. The key is, um, the last mile is always going to be just a grind. Like, you know, you're not going to get a good time in the last mile. It's just how it is. And so you have to figure out how to make up some time on that first mile, mm-hmm. um, how to push it. And then just, keep moving the whole time you figure out how to keep moving even if it's slow hmm. to keep moving through the reps oh dude this is this is like gonna la- be the last mile is a grind but yeah i i would love to gather a group of guys and just like i always thought about doing like we, we used to do Mur- murph mondays where sure. we were just like practice train for the murph doing yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and then we competed so is fun. there like a number we can text if we want to if we want to be in the workout group or something, I should, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah I, I loved that sermon illustration. Uh, and mm. I obviously we're, we're continuing our study of the book of Luke. Yeah. And so we're looking at the temptations of Jesus in Luke mm-hmm. chapter four. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we're, that's what we're here to unpack. And so, um, Charlie, you were, you were teaching us out of the first temptation, which is yeah. the temptation to turn a stone into bread. Yeah. And you, you were really driving home this idea of, bearing up under the weight of temptation of enduring temptation, mm-hmm. which is what Jesus is setting us an example for. Exactly. And so yeah. that weight vest was, but, but honestly, the, what you, the way you were talking about, uh, just constantly being moving, even if it's slow going, just being committed to the movement, being committed yeah. to growth. Yeah. That, that could be a great illustration. About, I know if I would redo it again, I could yeah. add that in there. <laughs> the number of times I preach and then I, like I walk off like I, I come away and I read something the next day. I'm like, sure. oh, that would have been perfect. Yeah. You know, man, why didn't I say that? You know, or I should have added <laughs> that in there or whatever. It's just right. Uh, right. Just how it is. So, okay. So the, another, the other question I wanted to ask you right at the beginning was after, after that. So you told a long story about going hiking with yeah, your that, friends. That hike. Yep. Yep. I'm afraid that a lot of people don't understand how bad, like when you were describing your equipment and how you guys mm-hmm, were preparing, mm-hmm. I think to some people who have been hiking before, they could recognize, oh my gosh, they're carrying two liters of water in their packs and they're, you know, yeah, yeah. and they're wearing wool socks. You know, what do they think? Yeah. Whereas I think yeah. a lot of people might not recognize how, how bad that was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so can you, how bad was it? So I, I think uh, there was one picture I had in the slides, but, I, but for the sake of time and whatever, I took it out, but okay. I wish you could see the back of our packs. We had ponchos on at one pic- picture and 
the the pack stuck out. I mean, it was like four feet off our backs, <laughs> and like things were strapped on, hanging off, and random yeah. things. And and usually when you backpack, you 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 pack a very little amount. Um, you you where you know you have small tent, really small packable sleeping bag, lots of like packable, like everything's small and packable. Mm-hmm. You don't bring cans of food. You don't bring like big heavy like. Every like, yeah, dude, the cans of corn were. Yeah. I was dying. The funny part is we never <laughs> ate them. <laughs> we carried them the whole the time. Whole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst part. So yeah, so normally, for example, if you're going to go on like a three day trip, your pack would weigh twenty twenty five pounds. Mm-hmm. Our packs were weighing, um, you know, fifty sixty pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and dude, and we didn't have they didn't have like hip belts or anything. Mm-hmm. So it was all on our shoulders. So we're literally like leaning over, like hunched back, like groaning every step. <laughs> and I'm wearing these boots that are way too big for me. They're like military surplus boots, and yeah. like we we're soaked. And yeah, it was it was miserable, dude. And so you said the first thing you got home is started planning the next trip. Yeah. Did oh, you ever go on a next trip? Oh, yeah, we started going every year. That was the hook. Really? Back to back no, to the Vermilion we, we River? We never or? finished that one. No. Oh, okay. I, that, I was going to ask. Did here's, you ever go back and no, redeem here's yourself? Something that's interesting. We were all minors at the time. Okay. I think. Maybe one of us wasn't. I think we were all minors. Close to being minors. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of trespassing on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> because technically, if you hike along the water, it's technically legal. Like, you can be in the water. No one owns the water. Yeah. So, we followed that very loosely. <laughs> so, there were a lot of times that we were, like, hiking. We didn't know whose property it was. We were just mm-hmm. hiking along the river. And we just figured that, you know, a lot of it was owned by the state or metro parks or whatever but most of it i think was probably private and so probably was a little bit sketch more sketchy than we realized gotcha and so i i we would love to we talked we've talked about it um it'd be more it'd be more realistic to like kayak it or something sure stay on the river and like kayak Mm -hmm. it or something like that and then find places where you can camp like along the way yeah but really if you kayaked it you probably could get it you where we got to we got we, we made it up to wakeman Okay. Area. So you probably can make it from Wakeman to Vermilion. It'd be a long day. If you were kayaking, you could do that in a day. Cool. But if the water was high enough, you could do it. So Yeah, man. So yeah. so this wilderness motif was uh, a big mm-hmm. part of the sermon because mm-hmm. it was a big part of the passage, right? Jesus yeah. is in the wilderness. That's part of a couple weeks ago, yeah. Jim called that the setting of temptation. Correct. He's in, the, in yeah. the wilderness. Um, and so one of the, one of my favorite pieces that I, I want to pick back up is the way that you drew a parallel between the story that Jesus is living out and the story of the nation of Israel. Yeah. So you talked to us about how when Jesus is quoting scripture in response to the enemy, in response to the temptation, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. quoting out of Deuteronomy chapter eight, yeah. which is a reference to, if, if you go back to it, Israel in the wilderness and mm-hmm. how Israel uh, mm-hmm. faced temptation and ultimately failed in the wilderness, but how Jesus succeeds. So I wondered, is there is there any more uh, that you have to share about that relationship between Jesus and Israel yeah. and, and being in the wilderness yeah, and that sort of sure. typology? Yeah. So I think there's a there's there's a lot you can. This is a big rabbit hole. And it's it's a fun study to see yeah. the, the connection and comparison. Um, Jesus uh, ultimately was obedient in every way that, that Israel wasn't, mm-hmm. and um, Israel was called to be set apart and be be you know get the, the nation um, and God's children, the children of Israel. They're they're called to be different and set apart, and they were also called to be a light to the nations. Mm. Read that all throughout the Old Testament. I think sometimes we think about the, the gospel and 
the good news of God's kingdom coming and, and the restoration he's bringing forth is just a New Testament theme. But God has always, uh, his plan has always been to use his people to, to reach the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but Israel did just, they never quite grasped that idea and they really just were so internal with everything. They just internalized everything throughout scripture. And um, but there, there may have been seasons where they, you know, we read about in the Psalms and stuff where like, you know, we making God's name known to the nations a yeah. little bit, but beyond that reading in the narratives and stuff, you don't see it very often, but it was this, this idea that, um, Israel represented a covenant relationship with Yahweh, with, with, with the creator God, mm. something that, that, um, was open to all mankind because God loved the world. Right. And so, um, what we see in Christ is that he perfectly, um, brings that 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 same heart of god perfectly now it is personified in christ perfectly lived out in him and now through christ there is truly hope for the whole world right uh through salvation so all like that's like the biggest piece to me yeah um is talking about that that salvation um theme and language of like how, how god uh through his people through israel had had plans to to be for israel to be a light to represent god to the nations and but now how Jesus, now we, as, as part of the body of Christ, can represent the light mm-hmm. you know, to the nations through Jesus. And so, so here's Jesus uh, you know, coming among the Jewish people. He is a Jew. And there's just I, – I, I mentioned all those parallels in, in my, my sermon. And, and there, there, are, there are more, you, and those are the most obvious ones. But uh, it's just fascinating to think about how just you know, there were 40 years of – of testing and, and tempting and, and being tried in the wilderness, Jesus, 40 days, you know, kind of those types of things continue. And, and I think it's because Christ is trying to say, I am, I'm, I'm coming to, to, to redeem and restore what was broken. Mm. And uh, I'm a continuation. I'm, I'm the ultimate fulfillment of God's ultimate plan all along. Um, we, another thing I love reading Hebrews 11, which talks about how it was counted to them as righteousness. Yeah. Because they were anticipating the Savior. They were anticipating the coming Messiah. They were anticipating Christ. And so all salvation always has come through Jesus. Right. It's just that they were looking forward to Jesus. We get to look back at Jesus. Yeah, I, I love that idea that they're living in, in sort of in the light. Uh, it, it's They're living in the dusk, right? Where it's, right. it's dim mm-hmm. because they're awaiting the morning. And we're living in the dawn, right? Where That's right. The, we, the, we see the first light. Of mm-hmm. the sunrise, but it's still not quite day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, we're sort of counterparts to Israel in mm-hmm. that sense mm-hmm. uh, as the church. But so, so then, obviously, we can look back to Jesus's example in the temptation, you know, his temptations in yeah. the wilderness. But yeah. as you know, right right now, we're reading through the Book of Deuteronomy in our church mm-hmm. devotions. So, mm-hmm. as we're, is there stuff that we can learn from looking at Israel's example? In yeah. the wilderness? I mean, a lot of ways it's what not to do, I guess, right? <laughs> um, but I, I think we see God's covenant love and faithfulness throughout all of um, the the first uh, books of the Bible, the sure. Pentateuch. We see that's very evident that God had a covenant and he was faithful to his covenant and faithful to his the, uh, the people of the covenant. Now, there was lots of justice and punishment that was that was rolled out that we see all throughout, you know, Exodus and you know, you, you know, all of those books and even in Deuteronomy, but we see that, that God valued, um, his covenant, he valued his people. And we mm. see that theme traced throughout. So as I read those, those, those books, as I think about Deuteronomy and to answer your question with our devotions, 
I think it's important for us to understand, to view it through the lens of, of the, co- the new covenant we have in Christ and, yeah. and the fact that, that we are, um, you know, we, we're rescued, that Christ's righteousness is our righteousness, those types of things. But we can begin to see, we can see some of the standard that God, the precedent and standard that God set that's a, truly impossible hmm. apart from Christ to meet that standard. Um, we see the value he places on things like covenant and promises and, and obedience and commitment to the, to the, the community of faith and those things. And those are all, God hasn't changed. Those are all things that are true hmm. uh, still to this day. Yeah. The difference is, is that the obedience that was won through by Christ, Christ's perfect obedience is now our perfect obedience. So it's counted to us as righteousness. Yeah. You know, God views us as being perfectly obedient because Christ is not because of what we do. And so there's a real beauty now when you read the Old Testament, when you read some of those stories, because it just it just brings me back to the foot of the cross saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was it was even interesting. I know you brought up, again, a passage that Jim used last week in mm-hmm. First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Can you take us into the, the context of that passage yeah, as yeah. well? So just that, like on the same note. That was cool. It was a it was a um, it was something for me that if I had more time, you know, you always this is why it's the cutting room floor, you know, the kind of stuff. <laughs> but that First uh, uh, Corinthians ten actually, uh, even though this is not inspired, the the, the heading, um, which a side note, the headings in the Bible are not inspired. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> They're helpful though. It says warnings from Israel's history is this heading for um, for uh, chapter ten, and um, he goes into uh, basically a warning saying, "Listen, Israel." bombed it and over and over and over. And, and we see these stories written down basically says, do not be like them. In verse 11, it says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then he gets into the verse. No temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can't endure it. Yeah. So the the even in the midst of that, the connection to Israel, even in the midst of this powerful passage about temptation, the, they're drawing, um, Paul's writing, he's drawing, he's writing to a Greek audience, but he's drawing um, beautiful connections to Israel. Yeah. And Paul does this all the time, like he, mm-hmm. this idea that what you're what, what you're going through as a Christ follower what you're going through as a part of God's covenant people yep. it's not you're not the only one you know yep. this is not a the first time this has happened you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and so i i love how he pulls that out that uh because when when i've read um you know no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind yeah. i think of like you know stuff that literally everyone deals with when in reality, Paul may be making a specific reference to like the people of God have gone through these wilderness seasons, That's right. just right in line with what you're preaching. Yeah. Um, which I think is so helpful. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. For sure. I, I think one of the biggest dangers when we face temptation, uh, like it's interesting because there's a danger on either side here is on the one hand, we feel like we're unique mm-hmm. in a, in a, in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the, I'm the only one who deals yeah, with this. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so that the enemy is able to use that to get us into a desolate place. That's right. And then, but then on the other hand, which was another thing you brought up in your sermon is we can be like, well, everybody understands. Yeah. This. They'll understand. They'll understand that. Yeah. What, what was the phrase you used in reference to that? 
you were like, it's some imaginary audience, but that's oh, not the no, one. I said, yeah, it's like, it's a self-serving jury that we yes. create in our minds. Oh man. I'm so guilty of that, man. Holy cow. Like any, any of my deep, the, 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 the thorn, the flesh sins that I have in my life mm. constantly. It's when I'm at my weariest, when I'm down, that jury in my mind is, oh, dude, like seriously, like no one's going to hound you for this one. Like it's okay. They'll understand. Like no, like everyone's going to be like, oh man, did you know he's going, of course, of course he gave into that. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? And, um, I think it comes up a lot in like, uh, a lot of different areas, but like, I think of like a different, like, you know, especially get people that's the struggle with forms of addictions and things like even they think about alcoholism, like, man, they know he's like so-and-so struggling. Like they'll, they'll understand if I have this drink or if I, if I drink because, yeah. you know, my wife passed away or I experienced a hardship, like, they'll understand if I wash away my worries or, you know, if it's maybe it's, if it's, you know, pornography or something like that, like they'll understand if I go on, ch- check this website, they'll understand because I've it, it, like, my marriage is in a really tough spot. Like they'll get it. Like they'll understand that I can't, you know, that I, I have needs. Like, oh man, how many times have we lied to ourselves? Hmm. Like just insert any sin. They'll understand if I lose my temper. They'll understand if I, you know, oh, they, you know, it's been a hard day. Like it's okay that they blew up. Like, oh yeah, I get yeah. it. It's been hard. It's like, I get that there's grace and I'm not trying to undermine the fact that there's grace, but, but sometimes we mix, gr- we confuse grace in our minds with validation. Right? Yeah. Grace is not validation for sin. Um, right. Just because you can, right. Just because you can explain it doesn't mean that it excuses it. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, I, I don't remember if this ended up in the life group questions or not, mm-hmm. but a question I was thinking about on Sunday listening to the sermon was, yeah. why is it that sin always feels like the easy way out? And I don't know, you know what I mean? It's like, I was just question. like, yeah. like what? because we know that, you know, we're talking you're talking about God's best and yeah. this is what his design is for us. And we're, this is what we're made for. And then on the other hand, mm-hmm. we're offered what Lewis, I, I quoted this on the podcast last week, but what Lewis mm-hmm. would call mud pies, you know, we're, yeah. we're in the slum, we're playing with mud, we're eating mud, um, as compared to like a vacation out at the beach, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're messing around with um, mm-hmm. dehumanizing, trivial, fleeting yeah. pleasures. And to us, that feels like the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? Yeah. So this is a, bear with me a couple analogies. I think an analogy. So, sure. um, I think like, like if you picture a stream of water, water always goes on the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. So I think temptation and, and the, the temptation to sin is on the on the front end is the is the path of least resistance. The resistance comes after when you feel that guilt and that shame. That's where you feel the resistance. Yeah, the resistance to do the right thing or to endure or, or push through temptation on the front end is where it's hard, and on the back end is when you feel that freedom. It's reversed. Mm. So naturally, humans. Uh, in uh, I'm kind of a I love archery. I'm an archery geek, and. Um, one of the things about archery is fascinating. So there's, there's a program I've taken. It's called Shot IQ, and it's it's all about. It's an online coaching thing. Can I tell you, I'm a geek when it comes to archery. <laughs> but it's all about how to control your mind because archery is a mental game. Because what happens is you're basically when, when you pull back a bow, you're bracing for an explosion, and your body, the subconscious, will never let your body experience an explosion. It always braces itself, and so right when you go to release, you brace. 
and you'll see like bad like if you mess up an archery shot it's because you last second you brace for the explosion the release of the string and the explosion mm-hmm. yeah you yeah and the arrow goes wherever right mm-hmm. it's when you make a surprise release where you pull back and you release just a surprise release because you weren't focused on the release and and because your subconscious um if you allow your subconscious to take over it's the same thing with sin if we allow the subconscious in our life to take over we're always going to avoid the path that brings an explosion or hardship or something that's challenging if we're not cognitive thinking about it just like an archery shot you have to cognitively think through okay my aim's set now i'm going to pull through my shot and i'm going to give a good release and you you're, you're you actually think about it if you allow something your subconscious your subconscious will always take the easy way out and always avoid um that that explosion or that that hardship it's the same way i'm sorry i'm burping a lot Excuse me, uh, Chipotle for lunch. <laughs> uh, it's the same way with the sin. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think sin up front is is the path of least resistance because yeah. we're being hounded with temptation, and that temptation is like, like we'll stop tempting you. Like you will stop feeling this temptation. It'll be gone in a second if you give in. Right? The temptation is yeah. gone when you give in because you've given in. So there's for there's this moment of, of utter clarity and other utter disgust with yourself on the other end. Mm. And, um, it's, it's just fascinating. And I'm talking about like, there are times that we say over and over and over, we don't realize it. And then someone brings it up to our minds and it's like, Whoa, like, what have I done? So I'm talking about that, that moment of clarity. Yeah. Um, I think every sin's a little different in that way. It depends on what it is. Um, but if it's that go-to gut wrenching sin that we keep finding ourselves in, like, I can't like the number of times I've walked away from a conversation going like, I cannot believe I just like gossiped for half an hour with that person. And I, like, I didn't even realize it. And it hits me on the other side. Like what? And I can remember the, like before I went to that conversation, I remember that, that still small voice saying, man, like you don't need to be saying this stuff right now. You know, like you, you can get out of this conversation right now. In the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, because how, how awkward is it to say, actually, you know, like maybe we shouldn't talk about this right now. Maybe we should like, yeah. that's the tension, right? I'm not, I don't want to mm-hmm. say that to that person because then like that cool buddy, buddy feeling you have like, Oh, I got some dirt. Let's share the tea. You know, like that all is like paused, right? And it's awkward. It's like no good way to do it. And it's like, that's the, that's the, that's resistance. That's not the path of le- the path of least resistance. It's like, dude, come here. Like, I gotta tell you this. Like, I gotta mm-hmm. tell somebody, I just got, she need a vet. It's like, um, like okay how many times we, you know yeah and and i yeah and i guess the other the other side of that question is like i don't know and it, these are questions that there, there's not really great answers for beyond what you've said but yeah no doubt why, why is it so hard to do the right thing sometimes yeah and, and even that que- i don't even like that question though because yeah. so like on the one hand why is doing the wrong thing feel like the easy way out mm-hmm. the flip side of that is why is why is doing the easy thing sometimes feel so difficult um, yeah. And, and I, I'd like, but even I yeah. like, I, I can hear somebody, I don't even know where I'm hearing this in my mind, but I'm having this memory of somebody being like, don't ever ask that question. Like, it's not like you can do it. You know, like I have, I've yeah. often find, oftentimes yeah. I find myself carrying in this like defeated mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I know you, you were talking about the self-serving jury and I've, I've definitely, had elements of that, but I, I fall more on the other side where I feel like a lo- totally desolate in my yeah. temptation and sin yeah. mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I don't feel like I'm in a, a room of my peers where they're yeah. excusing it. I feel like I'm, 
you know, untouchable all the way over mm. against the wall. Mm. And I feel like different people struggle with that in different mixes, you know? Well, for, I think for me, it depends on the sin that it is. Mm. Yeah, you that's know? true. I think it depends on what, what kind of sin it is. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I felt that too, for sure. Yeah. Like, um, but how life giving is it, is it when you find out like, wait a minute, I'm, like when someone comes along and goes like, is that all you got? Like, I'll take your whatever and, I, and I'll raise you, you know, whatever, like, yeah, I'll raise you a, you know, broken marriage and addiction. Yeah. And like, you just realize like, okay, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And like when someone, when someone has a story that's very similar to yours and they share it, like my story is like yours. It's, it's so just, yeah. it just starts poking holes in that narrative. But yeah, I felt that, man, it's, it's a hard place yeah. to be. C.S. Lewis talks about the formation of friendship happening over moments where one person shares something personal and intimate and the other Mm -hmm. person says me too Mm. um Mm -hmm. and there's like this mutuality i i definitely have experienced that in my friendships over the years that no doubt when you when you're able to confess sin and Mm -hmm. struggles and have the other person look you in the eye and say not only are you forgiven but you're not alone because i know exactly what you're talking about yeah so good and that's like i hope that those are the kinds of conversations that are able to happen all across our church during this mm-hmm. series, because mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be tempting <laughs> to allow this series to come and yeah. go yeah. when every one of us has something to confess. Mm-hmm. Every one of us mm-hmm. has stuff that has temptations that we're dealing with. Yeah. Like I even, yeah. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting thought too. I think the reason why it's important to talk about the wilderness too and how sometimes the wilderness isn't always the temptation. The temptation is there in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just life situations you have. Sometimes confession can be, this is what's going on in my marriage, or this is what's going on in my job, or this is what's going on behind the scenes in my life. And I, it feels out of control, and I'm weary, and I'm overwhelmed. And sometimes there's a me too moment in those things too. Yeah. We're like, dude, you're not alone. Like, mm-hmm. not only are you not alone in your struggle against sin, you're not alone in the fact that, like, I've gone through that too, or my life stinks in this way, man, too. Like, yeah. I don't know how to get out of this either, or I'm feeling weird in this way too. And this seems overwhelming to me as well. And those are the beautiful moments that builds us up where it's like, okay, not only can I face sin in with community, I can face weary seasons with community. You know, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. There, oh man, there's so much, there's so much to go into here because there's a, relationship between doing face-to-face confession and having those moments of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're in this together. There's a relationship between that and what we were taught, what you were mentioning before with the analogy of the the river and the path yeah. of least resistance. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Jim Wilder or the book, the other half of church? Mm. I don't know if I have. Can you tell me more. It's, Oh dude, we don't have time to get into this, <laughs> but and I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times. It's this is when I talk about the book that has mm-hmm. to do with brain science. Mm-hmm. This is the book I'm talking about. Jim Wilder, the other half of church. And the whole question is why does discipleship and all of our discipleship ministry seem to work for some people and not for others? Mm. Most people will say, well, it's just the, the move of the Holy spirit. You know, the wind is blowing. Yeah. You don't know where mm-hmm. it's going, but you can see the effects. And if you see it working, then that means the Holy Spirit's moving. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then it means that he's not moving mm-hmm. in that person or whatever. And Jim Wilder and and his co-author, one of which is a pastor of discipleship, the other of which is a his his master's in theology and his and a, and his master's in uh, like brain science or something like mm-hmm. or neuro you mm-hmm. know 
neurological studies. And he's like, actually, we can look scientifically and recognize that the, the difference is that some people are able to consciously like in their, in their conscious mind they they believe in God and they're moving in the right direction, but they've never dealt with their inclinations. They've mm -hmm. never dealt with their mm -hmm. subconscious. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that our subconscious mind works faster than our conscious mind. And so yeah. we're sort of having these reactions that may or may not be Christ like, and then we're sort of trying to muscle down our subconscious once we realize what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and their whole argument is that there are ways that we can address those deep-seated, subconscious, hmm. neurological things happening in us. And one of the things that they suggest is confession, like hmm. face, to, like confessing your sin to other people, hearing them say that you're forgiven. Like that will begin yeah. to train your mind uh, hmm. to. Yeah, man, it's it's so. I would I would highly recommend the book, uh, hmm. the other half of church. Hmm. It's it's totally changed. Some yeah. of the ways that I view spiritual formation yeah. and discipleship, um, because there is hope for us. Mm -hmm. And like that hope is not just that like a miracle will happen, although that is what we're hoping mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. but even God has designed us to be able to change and yeah. to move forward. Yeah. And by his grace, we can. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's, that's really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. No um, doubt. So we've got we've got a little bit of time left here, uh, and I want to I want to ask at least a couple more questions. Yeah. One of them is, and we've talked a little bit about this already, maybe, but I I, I really appreciated how you brought out the idea of short circuiting God's best in your mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. uh, just theologically, it's a really chiseled way of thinking about it because we don't want to think about sin just in terms of Hey, you're doing something wrong. We yeah. want to think of sin as this tragic moment where you're forsaking the goodness that God has for you and you're chasing after something that's going to destroy mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And that, so you're, you're short circuiting God's best, right? Yeah. Uh, even, yeah. even in the midst of like difficult situations. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, as you think about the mid Midwest and American culture and Avon yeah. Lake and just the places that you minister or yeah. the places that you live, where do you see this like hitting the ground for people? Where, mm -hmm. where do you see people short circuiting God's best or preferring their own comfort over what yeah. might, what, what God might be doing in their life? Yeah, I think, um, I think of it a couple of ways. Um, I, I've seen it a lot in people when they experience hardship, uh, their first instinct is to try to solve it with some kind of a physical mean. So versus maybe going to prayer or just pausing for a minute, just to, just, just to be, and just to feel the moment. Um, and we're so fast paced that it's just, okay, how can I pay for something or will my health insurance cover this or will, and, and, I, and I say these things hesitantly because I'm not saying those are not important. We do those things, but Sometimes like a di like if we're diagnosed with a, with something, a, a chronic medical thing, instead of, of going to a place of just anxious scrambling, um, sometimes there's, there's just, uh, there, it's worth pausing for a minute to say, okay, God, I, I don't know what you're up to, but I'm, I'm going to trust you in this. Help mm -hmm. me make those wise decisions, obviously, 
help me to, to move forward. But it all starts with the mindset. Um, if you want to see what the mindset it shouldn't be, look at how the world reacts in those types of types of situations, right? The world, when things go crazy, I mean, just look at, look at the toilet paper shortage with, with COVID. <laughs> I mean, when things go crazy, people just go crazy, right? Yeah. They scramble. Mm-hmm. And it's like, heaven forbid you run out of toilet paper for a minute or heaven forbid there's some kind of a discomfortable, you know, you, yeah, you have to use tissues, I guess. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's a part of it is the mindset. I also think that in, when I think about the Great Commission, when I think about our call to to go to the nations, when I think about our call to um, do ch- hard things for, for Christ and, and serve people and those things, there are a lot of things we miss out on because we, we value comfort. Mm. Um, you know, going to a country, you know, uh, where maybe there's no air conditioning. It's like, man, like I, there better be AC when I, you know, like the number of times I've heard that from people and I'm not saying specific people here. I'm just saying in my life, you know, you hear yeah. that people say things like, well, I, I couldn't go there. They don't have AC or, um, I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to, I'm not like, I, why would I, Oh, here's an, here's a great one. Why would I waste my PTO on a mission trip when I could do, cause that's my vacation time mm. or, you know, there's so many things like that where we where we just elevate this comfort of like, why would I put, you know, I think another one too is like, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, so I'll <laughs> say it lightly. The number of times I've heard stories of people being so rude to, to hosts and hostesses and servers at restaurants mm. because their food was not made correctly. And I think that like, I, I'm not one that I don't tend to send my food back if it's wrong. Um, I, I think that you can do it in a, in a kind way. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I get you're paying for it. But the stories I've heard of people, believers, um, not representing Christ well in those situations because their food at a restaurant is not made perfectly to their standard. I mean, if that's not elevating comfort, I mean, you're, if you're ruining someone's day, if you're being awful and, and rude to somebody, it just puts in perspective if you go to a third world country and see that they don't know where their meals are coming from that next day. Mm-hmm. Man, it just puts it in perspective. And um, there are so many, I mean, I could go on for days, man, that there's so many examples of ways as Americans where we go, this is what I want, this is what I deserve. Yeah. Therefore, at all costs, this is what I'm going to get. And so, you know, have everybody have to wait in line a little bit longer somewhere, right? <laughs> um, or there's a traffic jam and you're yeah. going to be a little bit late to what? I, I mean, there's so many things where we just, we face any kind of trial, any kind of hardship and we are just like, we lose it and, and we try to scramble. We try to figure out ways to, to get out of the situation as quick as you can. And, um, Ben, I just feel like I'm convicting. I'm getting convicted myself. It's just at every moment. Naming off I'm the things. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I fall for that. Oh, I, I do that one too. Oh, I do that. You know, there's just so many things in our lives where it's, it's, it can be seen as a sense of, of short circuiting. And, and, I'm, and granted, they're small things. They're not, <clears throat> I think there are other things too of like medical or big issues that happen, but just on a small scale too, we we elevate comfort and run from suffering, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about the, in, in James one, where Mm -hmm. it talks about how it it says, 
consider it pure joy when you face yeah. trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Like there's something that's being produced in lingering in the discomfort. Yeah. And whatever that thing is that's being produced in, in Ephesians, it talks, if, uh, sorry, not in Ephesians, Romans five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it gives us, there's a sort of a similar um, progression and the end of which is hope and hope doesn't put us to shame. Mm. And I think about our world and how flippant people are, how noncommittal people are, how hopeless people are. Mm, so true. And it's like, we, we don't have, we, we haven't. Like we are missing the fruit yeah. of enduring in the midst of discomfort. Yep. Like we don't, in other words, we don't know. I mean, I mean we're not self-disciplined people. So we, true. <laughs> it's so true. We, yeah. Here, here's a book for you, man. You gave me a book. I'll give you a book. There's a book called <laughs> The Comfort Crisis. Oh no. And a phenomenal book written by a guy named Michael Easter. He's not a believer. So it's not a book I'd recommend per se. I mean, it's not a, it's, it's not a, heretical book by any means. In fact, there's some powerful truths in it, but it's all about how basically in a nutshell, there's so he, he goes, he puts himself, he just goes around the world, putting himself in crazy, uncomfortable situations and the lessons he's learning along the way. Mm. And, uh, it's phenomenal just thinking about how we value comfort and we don't know how to do hard things. We don't know how to, you know, there's no, there's no hard trial on the daily, like it used to be in order to get food in order to get, you know, to, to make a living or whatever right. it was like there was always these trials that we were doing. Yeah, dude, we live sed- yeah. sedentary lifestyles. Yeah. A lot, a lot of times as pastors. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's fascinating. So here, so here's a question. I don't want to pay attention to the time, but I, I feel that sometimes like there are these competing narratives and there's, there's like a, there's probably a really chiseled truth in the middle. But the mm-hmm. thing I'm thinking about is, as we're talking right now, on the one hand, you've got sort of like the, the narrative of like the the full humanity of Jesus, and we need to recognize the limits of our humanity, and you know, there's there's something good about being limited, and we, we should like celebrate that. And and uh, as as humans, we uh, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. Mm. Uh, it's almost like, you know, you have Pete Scazzaro and emotionally healthy leadership, emotionally healthy mm-hmm. discipleship type of narratives, which I love, mm-hmm. or, or even, um, you know, the, the cry of the soul with Dan Allender. I think it's Dan Allender. We talked about maybe on the last podcast, like th- these, these ideas that are very, they're not self-help and they're not, you know, they're mm-hmm. not saying like, you know, you need to do self care before you can care for other people, but they're just trying to recognize, Hey man, yeah. you are not Superman. You are a human being mm-hmm. and you need to spend time at home with your family. You need to spend time eating food. Mm-hmm. You need to spend time sleeping. <laughs> yeah. you know, don't kill yourself yeah. on, you know, by trying to run a hundred miles an hour. And yet on the other hand, we've got this reality that we, we can't just like wantonly free discomfort in our lives. Because the the question I was thinking about asking is how do we, how do we, it will discomfort just come and find us and we shouldn't seek it out. Mm. Or how can we develop self-discipline? How can we, how can we reap the fruits of, you know, hope and perseverance? Um, Mm. Should we just wait for those trials to come or, or is it, are there some sort of like this? Because when I was in college, there was all these guys who would take cold showers uh, like yeah. every day and they would, they would do all these different exercises to try to build self-discipline. Yeah. And it was interesting and you know, not, I don't think that's wrong, mm-hmm. 
but it's really it was sort of an ascetic way of living where you're trying to cause yourself discomfort in order to grow. Mm -hmm. you know, you're sort of like neglecting your body in some way yeah. physically yeah. in order to gain mm -hmm. endurance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, Schizero and some of these other guys would be like, no, that's ridiculous. What are you doing? Like, put some clothes on, go drink some hot chocolate and calm down. Yeah. So, how, like, how do we live in the middle of that? It's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, that's, that's good. Uh, that's a great question. I, I tend to be really inspired by people while I sit on the couch. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh but really, like the the people that are putting themselves in tough situations, like I think that there is some real beauty found in um, challenging yourself to run a marathon, and then going through that time of, of challenge to, to do something like that, or um, finding some kind of a challenge in your life to that you're going to train for, work for, hard for, and overcome. And it doesn't necessarily have to be physical, although physical fitness is a great mode for. Um, how we can accomplish that using physical fitness things. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I wonder if maybe it has, has something to do with how you view yourself mm -hmm. versus how you're learning to, to accomplish spiritual disciplines. Because I, I think where Schizero and some of those guys in that movement, which is great in the spiritual formation and some of those things, the importance is understanding who we are and what, what God wants to do in our lives and how the spirit wants to move in us and, how we can find our worth and our rest yeah. and Sabbath in him. Right. Absolutely. Um, but in the midst of that, we also need to learn how to, how do we, um, throw off what hinders us, right? How are we, how are we throwing off our flesh? How are we defeating the flesh daily so that we can chase after Jesus more freely? Uh, there's some real beauty and lessons that can be learned through, through building challenges and then overcome like doing challenges and overcoming those challenges and learning the lessons along the way. Yeah. Physical challenges tend to be a great way for that. I think they, I've heard it said they, they sharpen the life knife. Mm. Um, you know, once you've gone through a really hard trial that you've kind of put yourself through like training for a marathon or, uh, for me, a lot of it's like a, like a hard backpacking trip or like an outdoor experience or some kind of a hard, you know, doing an Ironman or, mm -hmm. you know, a Murph, a Murph, there you go. <laughs> Murph's a small version of that, but I think for anybody it can be. Um, you learn, you know, this is an, this is from that book. It was called, it's called a Masogi. This is fascinating. So a Masogi <laughs> is something that, uh, Kyle Korver, he was a great NBA shooter for Lions Believer as well. He would do what's called a Masogi every single year. And a Masogi, it's, it's a, it's a Japanese, um, something tied to Japanese culture, okay. but it's like a one big challenge that you do every year just to see if you can do it. And it's not something you train for. It's something you just go and do. And so there was a football coach, and I wish I could remember who it was in NFL, and he would have his team do a Masogi every year. Hmm. And um, there was this giant stone in the bottom of this channel in California. And basically the goal was they had to move this, this boulder from this one spot to another spot. And so the team, one guy at a time, would go down there. They'd pick up the rock and walk on the bottom of the water as far as they could, and then they'd drop it, and then they'd swim to the top. And the next guy would go down and pick up this giant boulder and walk as far as they could and drop it. And it would take them like six hours as a team to get it done. Wow. And it was just this once a year. We're going to do this ultimate challenge to just push ourselves to the limit. And in order for it to be a Masogi, there has to be like a 50-50 chance that you're going to fail. Hmm. And when you fail, you just embrace it. I didn't do it. I, I, I failed. So, for example, for a Masogi for me would be go run a marathon because I don't haven't trained for a marathon. Mm -hmm. I would go run it like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go run 24 miles or 26 miles. Like, that would kill me. 
but it would be like, all right, I'm going to go see if I can do it. Right. That's an example. <laughs> and so that's, that's always appealed to me. I think I've been thinking about adding one, like a mis- one Masogi every year to my life. Sure. Just to like, just like every, like just to do it, just to see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for like those types of things in our, in our bodies of like testing our will and like how far can we go like in, in our bodies and our minds. But it has nothing to do with our identity. It has nothing to do with our worth. Right. It has everything to do with just sharpening ourselves a little bit and figuring out how um, the grit we have, building grit. Grit is an important thing in our life. It's important to have some grit and learning how to have, build some resiliency and allowing um, trials and hardship to build resiliency. Yeah. I think that can come from external sources like uh, you know, some of the most seasoned Christians who are so mature in their faith. When you hear their story, you're like, oh my word, how did you, how did you survive through that? How did you push through this death and this hospital bill and this, or this hospital visit and, and this hardship and, and getting deployed to this country and experiencing this traumatic, like, and, and they have grit, they have spiritual mm-hmm. grit that God has blessed them with and grown, and they've grown through, you know? Um, then I think also you can do that through those disciplines in your life and, and, learning that wow okay i can i can push does that, does that make it sure oh can, absolutely yeah yeah, yeah i yeah this, this conversation is reminding me a lot of um the one day that i was in the same room with tim keller mm. um which uh we got we saw about 10 minutes so i can share some of the story at least but i was in new york city with a relative of mine mm. um who works with tim keller and I was shadowing their church planning program for mm-hmm. that for that week because mm-hmm. I was still in college. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after college. I knew obviously I wanted to go into ministry, but um, one of the days I got to uh, sit in on all their seminary classes, and there was a, this like four hour lecture that Tim Keller was doing, and it was all on the mortification of sin by John mm. Owen. Mm. I think it's I think it's John Owen at least. Mm. Um, it might be a different author, but. Uh, for those of you who have never heard the, the words mortification of sin, um, it's it's the idea that Scripture talks about when it says um, you need to put to death mm-hmm. what is earthly in you or, mm-hmm. or you need to put off the old self. Mm-hmm. It's in Colossians. A lot of Paul's letters will mm-hmm. use some, some sort of language along those lines. Yeah. And I had never heard about it talked in that technical kind of way. Yeah. But um, w- what he said that totally changed how I view this whole thing is before you can do the hard work of killing the sin that's in your Mm -hmm. life, you need to do the necessary work of finding your life in God. Mm -hmm. And and so when you were talking about that, how, how on the one hand, Schizero and all these guys, they're talking about the identity piece. That's that first necessary yeah, work of finding right. who am I in Christ? That's how right. am I finding myself? How am I not expecting mm-hmm. more of myself than God expects? How am I not expecting mm-hmm. less of myself mm-hmm. than God expects? Mm-hmm. And how can I be totally grounded in the fact that I'm known and loved by God, regardless of my, um, regardless of my, uh, performance. Yeah. And only when you have that rock solid, can you mm-hmm. then turn and begin mm-hmm. the hard work of, putting to death the idolatry in your heart, putting to yeah. death what's earthly in you. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think also it's an interesting thought and, and I would, it's not a hill I'm going to die on, but it's a thought I'm just chewing on now. Sure. 
we don't experience it. You know, it talks about persecution, you know, a lot in scripture about how that strengthens us. We grow through persecution and things. We don't really experience persecution in America. Could some of the benefit of persecution come from some of those hard challenges we put ourselves through? Oh, I think the benefit you get from experience of persecution mm. on the other side, we have, we, we can, in a sense, uh, it's not quite, it's not to the same level, obviously, but we can, we can, in a sense, kind of tap the surface of that. I think by putting ourselves into tough situations, um, challenges in our life, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's like, I'm going to challenge myself to read 10 pages of a book every day, or I'm going to challenge myself to, you know, read this many, run these many, this many miles in a, in a month or, you know, there's so many things you can do. Um, that are like little challenges that are hard. They're challenging, but it's in those hardships and that, that, that brings that reliance on God and things. So, yeah. Yeah. At the very least, I think the, the language that the Bible uses around the idea of mortification mm. warrants an active, mm. you know, I, I don't, I don't think we should just wait for hard times and I just agree. like, you know, kind of let, let the bug pass until we go through you, you, don't, you don't have to wait to grow until something bad happens in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known people in my life who have prayed for difficult seasons because they were unsure how to grow otherwise. Mm. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I, I think, I think there are, the, yeah. you can, you can not create difficulty for yourself, but in some ways, like, I mean, that's what working out is. It's you're creating stress on your body in order to grow. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think what, what you're saying is maybe we can do that in ways that aren't just physical. Like maybe there are ways that we can mm-hmm. push ourselves mm-hmm. um, to, to grow in endurance, to grow in relationally. I mean, I think there are a lot of ways we can mm-hmm. grow in endurance, self-control. You're right. And I don't think we need to be afraid of that mm-hmm. because self-control after all is a fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. That we have access <laughs> you know I mean? to. Yeah. I, right. I feel like we don't, I feel like sometimes we, we don't talk about that enough Yeah. and not self-control and self-discipline for its own well, I don't know. I mean, we do love for its own sake. We do, you know, joy for its own sake. That's right. We do peace for its own sake. You know, that's, we, we recognize this is just a part of the benefit of being mm-hmm. made new in the spirit. Obviously, it's all for God's glory. But yeah, man, peace for its own sake, for the glory of God. Um, gentleness for its own sake, for the glory of God. Self-control for its own sake, for the glory of God. I think, man, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, why not? And and I think, you know, when I, when... That passage, you know, when, when the scripture talks about how God consider hardship, like trials and hardship as discipline, mm-hmm. um, it's not punishment. The discipline isn't the idea of like God's up there looking to punish you if you step out of line. Right. It's more of the discipline in line with, like you said, working out. Mm-hmm. And so those, those, it's building that, that muscle that if you don't experience those trials, whether it's brought on by self or whether it's something that happens to you, whether it's a, a trying to build a discipline like those are, that's literally like building muscles. So then you're stronger, all glory to God again, but you're stronger for the next time you face the next trial and the hardship. Yeah. And that builds a little bit more of that muscle memory. You have a little bit, you're a little bit stronger. And it's the same thing, that discipline that God's building in us is strengthening us mm-hmm. in, our, in our, in our, in our fight against the flesh and that tension in our bodies of like, my flesh is strong and wants to sin, but I, you know, I constantly do what I don't want to do. It's that, it's that you know, um, Romans seven tension that we feel. Yeah. So, yeah. So as we wrap up and kind of around the final corner as a pastor, as you're, as you're writing this sermon, what are, what are some of the things that you're like hoping beyond hope are birthed in the lives of people? Like, like, is there, 
is there anything that you're like, man, I would love this week mm-hmm. when, you know, f- for to see this happen in somebody's life? I would love to, like, if I were sitting in a coffee shop, just overhearing people from our church talking, I would love for their conversation to be like, I cannot, I, I'm anxiously looking around waiting for what God's going to do because of this trial I'm in. Mm. My eyes have been open and I want to see what God's up to. Like yeah. if, if, if people could come to the place where they're like, all right, God, like I'm full living in full anticipation. I'm excited. There must be something you're trying to do here. If, that would be, to me, that's a win. That's a win for my life. I want I want to view in, in a small way. Any, anytime I felt it, I felt it this week because it was on my mind in a small way. Like I feel like I had tension of a decision we had to make or a, a medical bill or something. It was just kind of like, okay, God, like this is uncomfy a little bit. <laughs> I wouldn't quite call it a trial, but it's uncomfy, right? Yeah. So, okay, God, like, what do you want to do? How are you going to show up? Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, there was a huge answer to prayer this week, huge way that God showed up. And it was in one of those moments where I was just overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. And, mm. I, and I was so overwhelmed that I even forgot to pray. Like, I wasn't even praying about it. And God still answered the prayer. I mean, I was like, <laughs> all right, Lord. All right, Lord, you're, you're so good. You're not reliant on my prayers. Yeah. yeah. But if people could just start to just change their, just that, like I said, that paradigm shift mm-hmm. of how can I endure through this? What does God want to teach me on the other side? And, and in yeah. the middle of it, okay, God, like I cannot, like I got the popcorn, you know, that, 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 um, that gift for the guys eating the popcorn. And he's like, <laughs> like, you know, when it's <laughs> yeah. got to be get good, it's like, all right, like that's how we should live. Like holding that popcorn. All right? Like, yeah. All right, Lord. Like if, if anyone else in the world were to get this news or experience what I'm going through, like they would lose their minds but I know that you're up to something. Yeah. If that's what people could take away that right there, that's it. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I, I pray that that happens all over our church Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're not promised anything and who knows what's around the corner individually as a group, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in America. Um, But what we are promised is that God will be with us. That's right. And so we can always, man, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate you bringing the word for us this Sunday. Do you have any shout outs that you want to make Tavon Lake? I want to make sure I circle back around to that. That's a great question. I, man, I just, I missed being there. I love, I love my peeps out there in Avon Lake. So I'll just guess, I guess I'll give a big shout out to everybody. I heard um, Kyle Burris was holding down the fort. I heard he was, and, and, and Pastor Mark was there yeah. doing announcements. It was all hands on deck, and they— That's they, so fun. They, I guess it was an awesome Sunday there, so That's can't good. wait to be back on Sunday. So. I, I hadn't visited in a long time until mm-hmm. very recently, and I felt right at home yeah. when, I, when I showed up. So There's energy, man. It's been awesome. It's been, it's been a, a wild but fun ride, I'll yeah. tell you that. So That's, Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's it's great to have yeah. you on here, Charlie. Good conversations. And if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking, man, I, I had this question about the sermon and that they didn't address. Mm-hmm. Well, there's good news. We have a we have an email account set up just for you. Podcast at open TV. If you're listening to the sermon and you've got questions, we would love to interact with that. We, we send wanna, them in. Yeah, send them in. Yeah, we, we want to. Charlie wants your questions. Want you know, we want to. We want to invite you into this conversation yeah. as much as we can because because uh, we want to. We want to together learn from the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we want to approach this all of us underneath the scriptures, underneath the text, um, as we're following Jesus. You know, that's yeah. that's what we want to be about. So, send in your questions, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. 
but don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.